At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business every day are nothing short of heroic. And you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. Like the breaking ground on new construction things. The every box and barcode matters things. And the driving the family business forward things. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance. Wholeheartedly for you. Introducing the SND Podcast channel, your new source for all types of podcasts. We are looking for new podcasts to add to our channel. So if you ever wanted to start a podcast, reach out to us via Twitter, DM, or just add us at SND Podcast. Or message us on Facebook or even email us at SNDPodcast at gmail.com. Once you reach out to us, we'll tell you the best way to create a podcast. All types of podcasts are welcome. So anything you want to talk about for a podcast, just let us know. No idea is a bad idea. We're already on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and all other podcast apps. All you have to do is record the podcast. So hit us up soon so you can start your podcast now. Felt so yeah. strong, yeah. I'm back. I'm feeling like there's nothing I can't try. And if you with me, put yeah. your hands. Welcome to episode 156 of the SMB Podcast Show. Steven is here. Vin is via Skype again this week because he's lazy. And we would like to welcome home the great Daniel Behan. What's going on, Danny? Oh, that was the first time getting golf. Great. Thank you, Steve. No, thank you. Finally being back for six months. Thank you again, once again, Vin, for filling in. He's not the uh, Logan Verrett. He was even better than Logan Verrett. <laughs> I'm sorry, Logan Verrett, for making your season go downhill. Maybe that's your fault. I'm, but anyway, I'm, the show goes on. Vin, how are you doing? I'm Robert Gesellman, obviously. But, yeah, I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? <laughs> we're not going to go with Masato Yoshi on this one. We're, not, we're dropping him from the competition. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the ADD tonight is going to be at an all-time high. Uh, you guys got to bear with us because I, I, I don't know what's going on. But we're going to get it together and we pull through. Uh, Steve, what's going on? Thank God we brought Dan back. <laughs> we need some order. <laughs> with that being said, Dan, why don't you give a little update for everybody uh, how you're feeling and everything. Well, pretty much the same update as last week. Uh, we have to wait for November 7th. That's the big day of me going for my PET scan and CT scan and meeting with the doctor. And hopefully everything is uh, up and up with the uh, maintenance of everything. So right now I'm just doing PT. And today I did uh, acupuncture, which was pretty cool and weird at the same time. So I'm going to go back Friday and get that done. So let's see what happens with that. And just taking it day by day. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Last week was hell week. Uh, thank God that was over with. Um, had to deal with some unfortunate visit to the hospital for uh, me feeling so weak. But I'm back and ready to go. So let's let's do this. I'm, I'm here for the long run. And uh, what, what's uh, tonight's lead off topic, Steve? All I, all I know is we're happier back because the Giants won. <laughs> yes. Back on oh. a giant win is a lot oh. better. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, if you want content, maybe not. But Right. But, if, if we want ratings, then maybe not. But, but no, no. For our psyche and men- mental standpoint, 
I would have been like Odell Beckham. It's, and this is not fun anymore kind of thing. But let's let's lead it off. We'll talk about the Giants next. Uh, and, uh, All right. Before we get to the lead off, let's, let's uh, talk about how to listen to the show. Make sure you go to SoundCloud, oh, yeah, good iTunes, uh, Facebook, Instagram to follow us, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play to listen to us. We have great podcasts on the s Podcast channel, including the Rising Apple Podcast, Weissman and Oz Show, and Fan Vault. Also, Jay's Week in Wrestling. I know he's coming out with another episode soon. And just don't forget to rate, review, and comment on our show. With that being said, like Dan mentioned, it's time for the leadoff. Leading off. All right. So, uh, seeing how there's three of us now, we decided to change up the leadoff a little bit. And we decided the, the guy who picks the topic will be the person who leads off the topic. So, basically, this week... Uh, the NFL had some issues on Sunday. Mainly the Giant game was the one who brought this to my mind. Uh, with the NFL refing this year, there has been a lot of issues going on, not just with the Giant game. I mean, there were two incidents that I could point out at, that I could recall. Dan, you probably could recall a couple more from watching on television. But um, there's something that's got to be done with the refing in the NFL. And I don't know what it is. I, I think it's time to reevaluate how it's done. I think that um, they have those headsets now in their ears at all times. And that's how I actually noticed this during the Giant Raven game on Sunday um, after some scoring plays that the ref doesn't look at the guy uh, to see if it should be reviewed anymore. He's kind of holding his finger on his ear, which which had the, uh, the, the headset in with the microphone. So I'm going to guess that it's a guy that's actually talking down to them from the sky who's telling him that, hey, this has to be replayed. Um, with that being said, I think that maybe it's time, you know, those close calls, those, those horrible pass interference calls, especially when they're huddling, having that extra guy in the sky, not to review it, but just to be able to say, all right, guys, you, this is not the call. You guys should change the call or that's the right call. Give them an extra set of eyes that aren't on the field, that aren't 60 yards away downfield. Um, take, for example, the giant Viking game a couple of weeks ago. Odo Beckham, uh, there's four refs around him, and I forgot who the corner was. I think it was Xavier Rhodes. Yes. And um, nobody threw a flag, but the guy 30 yards downfield throws a flag on Beckham for unsportsmanlike conduct, and they all agreed to it. So I think... Personally, I think that guy in the sky needs to be doing more than just the replay booth guy. Um, Danny, why don't you take it away from here? Okay. Um, I agree with you with the, the eye in the sky situation. And, like, this is might be part of the reason why the viewership of the NFL has gone slightly down this year. Um, whether it's crappy play, um, which is up to for debate, but it seems if you talk to everybody that I talk to, they all agree with me. There hasn't really been that one marquee matchup game or games that were like, yes, this is a good game. Every game we've watched either on primetime or either the Fox game of the week or the CBS game, especially the Thursday night games, they should get rid of it, even though they know it's a moneymaker. They never will. It, it's something's wrong with the NFL. And it's so many things that that are wrong that it's like, which one do you take care of first? Is it the bad referees? Is it because of the bad referees there's poor play? Is it because if there's a, literally a penalty on every single play, that seems like? Um, there's that old adage that they could probably call a penalty on every single play, but thank God they don't kind of play mantra kind of thing. Uh, it's do you let the boys play? It's really 
Interesting. Uh, I know Steve mentioned the Giant game from Sunday. That pass interference on DRC was pretty much atrocious, and that almost cost the Giants the game. Uh, and then also you got two other plays. The, uh, the Sterling Shepard, their feet get t- tangled up and nothing's called. But and with then the, the, and the, then feet, the, uh, the roughing the, the passer. The roughing the passer, yes. Um, the feet tangled, that's, oh, it's always been a no call, so I'm not going to complain about that one. That's that's been a call for everybody, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go nuts about that. I guess the crowd got nuts at that during the game, Steve. Yeah, people thought when you kind of watched the replay, people kind of saw some holding going on there also with the uh, Raven player coming over on Sterling. So. Yeah, a little bit, but if you're gonna call it on the tangle, they, they're not gonna call that. And I think the Giant Stadium crowd was already very very vocal the whole entire game. So Giant Met, MetLife, I'm sorry, MetLife was very on edge the whole entire game rightfully so um but it, it's been a whole league thing like if you like for example let's let's put been for example since he is a packer fan um if we were watching a game um giants packers like two weeks ago if we were all three of us were sitting at the the, the couch watching the game and one of us was watching a bad call we would all would have been like, "Oh, okay, it's that that week. It's our. It's going to be our our mess up on our team's behalf, and then get a a, a letter from the NFL or Dean Blandino saying, "Oops, my bad. We messed up on X, Y, and Z." And then that team that got that penalty doesn't matter two days later because we they already lost. So it it the whole thing is wacky. I. Do they have a rough system, like a rating system? I'm assuming they do because there's always the been a, there's always the been highest, a rating system for the postseason. Yeah, that's that's my point. So it's something's got to give. Um, ben, uh, watching the Packers weekly or trying to at least. I don't know if you have Directv. Do you have have you seen any games that the Packers have like a couple of calls? I know a couple during the Giant game. Um, Packer-wise, you know, the, a lot of their offense lately, and it annoys the hell out of me, has been based on, um, they go for, you know, he tries to catch people off sides, everybody, you've seen that, that's not really, yes. that's not what I'm talking about, but, like, he'll try, they'll go for pass interferences, like, pass interference is part of what they're trying to do. So, they get a lot of, they complain about a lot of no calls, and a lot of them are actually no calls. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch the Giant game. I only call, I only saw the, the Beckham um, catch. I was actually like watching, you know, okay, Channel so Two you, when that was happening. Oh, okay, so you watched literally nothing of the game. Right, I watched. I watched the Red Zone most of the day. But what I did see was after the Packer game was the end of the um, Falcons Seahawks game, which has created a lot of controversy. Yes, that no call on Julio. That was pass interference by far. And I, maybe they gave him a benefit of the doubt because it was Sherman. I don't know what. I, to me, and, and can that's I, can pass I, interference. <laughs> can I jump in real quick? And that's the yeah. other thing about the pass interference call on both sides. That needs to be stopped as well. Um, the whole reputation thing, that, that needs to be stopped as well. Uh, granted, I know... I, I, he's the, the first guy that comes to mind because he's been the whipping boy for the Giants so far this year. <laughs> it's uh, You're going to get the call every time if you're Trevor Wade opposed to Richard Sherman. You're probably going to get the benefit of the doubt. Or that. So, like, there has to be that happy medium. I know 
It happens in every sport. So it's kind of weird. And, and I'm going to put a disclaimer. It's not me and Steve complaining as Giant fans because it's, it's, it's definitely league-wide. It just happened to be a Giant situation in the last couple of weeks that brought it to our attention. And then bringing the Julio Jones situation and that boiling point in that. It's, it's, just, it's just weird. And then, then wide receivers calling for wide uh, pass interference on every single play as well. Um, I know the Giants are culprits of this every single week, uh, whether if it's, it's Victor Cruz or starting to be Shepard a little bit. Obviously, Beckham, we all know how much of a diva he is as of late. So it's, it's – me and Steve are seeing it firsthand. So, like, I don't know. What other teams do, you, do we think other than the Julio Jones situation? Um, I know the whole Cam Newton situation a couple – well, week one with the whole uh, no lead hits pretty much the whole entire game until finally enough was enough. <clears throat> and now they're being investigated. Uh, the Panthers are being investigated about the pro- concussion protocol. So are they? they uh, I got an alert saying something like that today. So them and uh, the someone else's by the PA. There's so. like kind of going back to the Julio thing. There's a, a point where it's you know it's him against Sherman. So Sherman's also going to get benefit of the doubt. And there's a point where you have to let him play, but you, you can't let people you know rip his arm down like he did. Exactly. When I, like you, um, you said earlier with the uh, ref in the, you know, the upstairs ref and somebody in the field ref's ear, penalties like that, I'm not going to say the whole game, but maybe fourth quarter or, you know, last five minutes of the fourth quarter, that's got to be reviewable. Or I, I, you know, I agree with you on that. Some kind of second set of eyes like Stephen Good earlier. You know, the whole reviewable thing turns into more TV time and, you know, trying to find more sponsors. Yes, they, I mean, trust me, I'm the first person that yells at every game. Why are you going to commercial as a guy stands up from injury to run off the field? Why are you going to commercial after after a team just scored a touchdown? You go to commercial, you kick it off, you go back to commercial. What's the point? I get it. Sponsors. That annoys the hell out of me when they Oh, that annoys everybody. So that that's a general. That's a general. That's a what? Another uh, issue. I like you mentioned before about people watching the games. I don't think anybody watched it, but I happened to be watching a little of Monday Night Football. There was at least six straight plays where there was a penalty call. It was it was unbelievable how many penalties were called. It just kills everything. It kills the pace of the game. It kills everything you're trying to do as a sport. See the thing with the uh, with the eyes in the sky thing also is one thing that you got to include not to make sure to put in that rule with that guy is he can't call down and say hey you missed this call call it now like you can't call it you know if the play's dead and they're lining up and the ball's about to be placed, it's it's over. Like, once once if there's no flags on the field, it's over. The eye-in-the-sky guy is only if there's a flag thrown that could be questionable, then he can call down and say, hey, don't take a look at this, but just so you know, this is what I saw from up here. Now you guys make the decision. That could be the thing. You know what's going to happen? In my opinion, a lot of what reps do now is, like, on a touchdown – they just call it a touchdown because they know it's going to get looked at anyway. I think they're just going to start throwing flags on everything, and then oh, the guy's looking up there, and we'll we'll figure it out after. I agree. That's the only thing I'm afraid of. Right. You don't you don't want to see guys just throwing flags like. 
they're just throwing flags on every play. And now, again, we're killing momentum. We're looking at things every three seconds, and it, it, it's pointless. Right. See, that's the, that's the double-edged sword of it. So they got to figure something out with the refs. Um, I, I, I don't know. It could it be a, just take the refs out in general, just kind of have them as field judges and have guys upstairs being, making the calls? You know, it's keeping those mics on them? It's a tough game to officiate. It is so fast and it is so quick. They're doing the best they can, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Right. But it there there has to be some kind of there has to be some kind of help in in you know, the like the NHL has added in reviewing all stuff and stuff. It's annoying, but it helps. It's you know, most of the time it's they're making the right call. Right. I mean the only sport it doesn't help in is baseball because it just makes baseball like three more hours. It makes it so anticlimactic to like there's a big play at the plate and we all gotta stop and like wait, was he actually out? Was he actually saved? Right. Like like uh, you know, that could be the game winning run right there. Um, but it was so close. Hold on, I'm gonna are you gonna challenge her? You're not gonna what was the play? Was it Cincinnati and St. Louis that last week of the season? Ground rule double. Oh it god. Should have been a yeah, ground rule double and it should have been stopped at third. You know, they never got a chance to review it because of a, because the, apparently the umps are supposed to give them 10 seconds. How are they supposed to hear the replay phone ring if the St. Louis crowd's going nuts? And, and like, the last play of that, uh, of the wild card, AL wild card game, they reviewed. Like, Valentin was safe easily. There was no reason to review that. There was no reason to make everybody wait. So, uh, it's... With that yeah. being said, this week's song with the Vengeance by Division 1.1, we're going to go play it, and we're going to be right back after this. Hey, Welcome back to one, episode 156. You just listened to once again with the Vengeance by Division 1.1. We're going to start off tonight's football segment with the New York football Giants. After two long, awful weeks in the NFC North, uh, both losing to the Vikings and the Green Bay Packers, Giants finally got some sort of home, cook- home cooking by defeating the Baltimore Ravens. Ugly game, Steve. Very ugly. Ben, I know you didn't really watch much. You got to watch the best part of the game with the Odell Beckham situation. We'll get more back to Odell after this, but... Steve, the crowd was very, very antsy, and obviously being the 0-2 in the last two weeks uh, was credited the offense not clicking. I think the defense has been playing pretty well for all things considering because they're always on the field. <laughs> uh, I first think off, that, you, can't, you can't blame the defense for the first 10 points. Of this, course. Ideally, no. it's on the offense. Back on, you know, you gave, up, you, gave up a, you gave them the ball to start. They marched down the field, but you were able to hold them to three. That was a victory. You call that yes. a victory when they're moving the ball. And then then the first play, slant to Beckham, and, you know, you could have argued he didn't have full possession and it wasn't a catch and this, that, and the other thing. But the fact is it was a fumble. You basically just had a whatever amount of drive, gave up three points. You gave him 30 yards. and uh, Teams are going to score when you have only 30 yards to go. Of course. So you are right. The, the leaders of this team, the fact is, the two games we lost to Minnesota and the Green Bay, we could have very easily won those games. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. We were only we're down, I think it was 3 nothing or 7 nothing. Dwayne Harris botches the punt. 
or zero zero. Dwayne Harris botches that punt again. Turnover leads to points. So, and you know what? You can't blame Dwayne. Hundred out of a hundred times, he's making the catch. Of course. So, um, with that being said, again, the Packer game also he gave up seven points right away, and yes, it hurt a little bit. But then the defense stepped up. But the again. The offense has been struggling. Going into the Ravens game, there was a lot of talk that McAdoo was going to go make finally focus on the offense, which is what is, which is why I was always arguing that Spags should have been the head coach because McAdoo's not a head coach. He can't he can't focus on everything. He needs to be focused on the offense because the offense the past couple of years hasn't been the problem. Yeah. Let, let Spags deal with the the defense and the the outside distractions. He he was there in St. Louis. He had a bad team in St. Louis, so he knows how to be under the gun in situations. And you were going to be under the gun this year unless you started five and zero. Yeah, uh, I think I would think I would I honestly I would have given the play calling to Sullivan, who's pretty much is going to have the same play calling as McAdoo because he's obviously going to have head coach, so he's going to have pretty much the eye over it can't have McAdoo just be the head coach and worry about the in-game situations of going on fourth down, making a key stop here and there, like all the other head coaches do. But, of course, it's a prideful thing. Um, I, it's it's just a very frustrating situation with the offense. It's It's gotten to the point of they're so predictable right now. And if it wasn't for two 75-yard passes to Odell Beckham, where would we be talking about today? Oh, here we go. Another lackluster effort uh, by the offense. Uh, I was looking at the stats before. Jennings had 19 yards carrying. Rainey had 15. That was all our rushing yards for the whole entire game. So it's, it's just a mixture of everything. I know a lot. everybody would love to blame the offensive line, which they're easily capable of that situation. Um, Eli hasn't been playing great as well. Uh, it, it's just the combination of, I think, us playing two, two good teams in the Vikings and Packers that made us feel so upset about this team. And then playing the Ravens, who are pretty much the same team like the Giants. They're, they're that team that, uh, if, if they just make a couple thing tweaks here and there, they would be a playoff team in a heartbeat. And make a run in the Super Bowl, maybe. But no, they're that mediocre team that could be seven and nine, or eight and eight, or nine and seven. So it was just a mediocre game all around. You mentioned the offensive line, and there's someone I actually have to give a little credit to, who the two weeks on the road had a rough time, and Eric Flowers. The first drive, the Giants line up, and I turn to my friend and I go. <laughs> Looks like another bad game for Flowers. Look, Terrell Suggs is leaning over him. Oh, yeah. So right away, you're thinking, oh, God, Terrell Suggs against Flowers all game. You didn't see Terrell Suggs at all. till the end. He had that one sack, yes. He had that one yes. play where Flowers messed up. And he also but, got hurt. And he was also hurt. But So Flowers, you got to give Flowers credit. He bounced back this week. The whole and he did. The line played well. And I'm sorry to butt in, Steve. And he also made the pretty much the – best block of his uh, season by uh, protecting Eli washing down whoever he was guarding on the big Odell Beckham play to win the game. Uh, so I know not a lot of people are going to give him credit for that, but yes, he did do that as well. 
Um, something's got to give. I know there's there's, and it's I not Marshall. I have a question it, for you. And you can't blame Marshall Newhouse. Okay, sorry, Steve. Go. Okay, so I have a question for you. Is it time to see where we can fit Beatty in on this line? Because the fact is, he wasn't the most unreliable. He wasn't the most reliable, but he was a solid offensive lineman. Yeah. Would you uh, want to see him possibly on the right side of that line over Bobby Hart? Um, Bring a little I, bit veteran leadership to that side. You know, it would be a little bit more veteranish if you have yeah, him on that other end. I'm kind of alarmed that it hasn't already happened. You know, you haven't heard maybe, his name. Maybe he's not doing anything. well in whatever. Yeah, something's, in, uh, something's not right. Yeah, we already heard it by now, Steve. You think that he because he wasn't dressed the first couple of weeks, and when um, oh yeah, of course we signed him literally the the final after right after the final preseason game. Right, that's so all. He wasn't that's dressed. all good and well, of course. Right, so he wasn't available. So right away, you're thinking, all right, he's going to get some reps and a chance to earn the spot over Bobby Hart. But no, they handed it to Bobby Hart and said, here, go out there and play. And you know, you put him in Minnesota and Green Bay, and you're like, hey, we're going to let Clay Matthews and and uh, I forgot who the guy was in, uh, in Griffin from uh, Minnesota, go against you. And let's see how you do. And he didn't do well. No, he didn't. Uh, and I've been a big Bobby Hark fan. Um, I, he's, he's, right now, he's a swing guy at best. Um, it, it's just that revolving door at that right tackle spot. Um, whoever that right tackle is, he's going to be the whipping boy in the news, the the more the media or the fans that given week. Uh, it seems like uh, it's, it's it's that it's just a very frustrating spot right now, and we just got to find that clog to clog it. If it's BD, great. If it's hard, just finally learning how to play right tackle, phenomenal, because he seems to be more of an inside guy in the NFL which he was at the end of the season. He was great last year at the end of the season at right tackle. So uh, I think the line just needs to gel and get it together, and the offense just needs to, needs to get it together. I think them being in London and hopefully them – when are they flying to London, Steve? Tomorrow? I believe it's tomorrow, if not tonight. Yeah, I, I saw Thursday night, I think they said. Okay, well, it's a great time to bond. That's that's definitely for sure. They're not gonna. Um, sure, families if they come, they come. If not, but this is gonna be a great time for the Giants to bond. And they're playing the Rams, who are very solid defense. But this is a game they have to come out and all systems go and fire away and just get this victory and come home from London. Because this is one of those games that we looked at the schedule at the start of the season. It's. We must win this game if we want to make the playoffs. So. You're, you're right. And you know what? We mentioned the offensive line before. This is the type of game where you can let Bobby Hart play in this game again. And then you have the bye week. Exactly. You say, you, you re- the advantage of the bye week is there's what? You're only allowed to practice, I think, once or twice with no pads during the week. The bye week itself. And then you have to be off for, I think it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Something like that. If there's one thing the Rams can do, they can rush the pass. I don't know if you want to put him in front of Aaron, you know, Aaron Donald and 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 those guys and, oh, no. and let Aaron him. Aaron Donald is going to be against uh, Richburg and Pugh and Jerry. Right up the middle, but I, they are they can rush the passer. Oh no, absolutely, hundred so, percent. I'm not. You got It's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game for them. 
it, it won't be easy. And it won't. And uh, but again, advantages. You're going there. You're gonna like you said. You get the bond. It's a time to breathe, bond, and relax, and just. You know what? You didn't want to go to London. You shouldn't have. You should have beaten the Eagles in the last game last year. Exactly. <laughs> can, can, can I say one thing about the Giants? Um, I know. I know. Since I haven't been on, uh, I I've been listening on and off. I'll be honest. Um, the one thing that drives me nuts about McAdoo so far is for a guy to talk about discipline and act like Tom Coughlin with certain things about discipline. For them to be leading, basically almost leading, either leading the league in penalties or around there, being a top five team with the penalties, it's unacceptable. And I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his – I'm not giving up on McAdoo. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm not – I, it's it's something something's not clicking yet. That that okay, he's our head coach now. Let's 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 respect that and let's let's be disciplined and let's let's carry on and be sound football team that he just always talks about but we haven't seen on the field for the first five weeks. I, I that's the one thing that's been pissing me off. And if I have to hear him saying we have to do a better job protecting the Duke, I'm, I think I'm going to scream. <laughs> but those are the two things that I have to take away with McAdoo through his first five games. I would also like to mention uh, the what is it five game into season thing that stands out the most is Landon Collins has proven that he's a second round pick. Oh yeah, definitely. It, and we need that. We need that free safety. <laughs> we need it. Steve, you've been making a good point lately. You keep yeah. saying um, that you don't, Matthew doesn't look like a head coach. He doesn't have the presence of a head coach. And I think that was the issue. Uh, it's funny, just we were watching, the, I was watching the Dolphins game with my dad, and he went, Oh, where'd Philbin go? And I thought that was Philbin's problem. It was the same thing. It was. He didn't have the presence of a head coach. He didn't command the respect of a head coach. It's something you can get over time, but it's something that has to happen quick. The thing with Philman is Philman's been in the league for 50 years. McAdoo's been in the league for like 10 years, yes, granted, but he's still 37 years old, and it could it can be earned. He'll he'll earn it. It's just one of those things. It's just he can't preach it all the damn time. And then us have ten penalties for hundred and fifty something yards or almost two hundred yards penalties. Obviously, that's why we're losing. Part of the reason why we're losing. And it's it's that's one of the things. It's just it's frustrating, and I, I'm sure he's frustrated too because he, he's talking until he's blue in the mouth, and they're still making dumb penalties or or drive crushing penalties. In Eric Flowers' case, the Prior to the last two weeks. Zamir has the past couple of weeks. Eric Flowers reminds you of Luke Pettigo. Yeah, a little bit. He's been a turnstile for a little bit the last two weeks. Oh, Luke Pettigo. I said it's because it's he starts with the number seven on his jersey. Yeah. You know, who? Call, by the way, I forgot to ask you, Dan. Who was calling the game on Sunday? Uh, Sunday. I know Sunday, it was CBS. Honestly, I don't remember. It wasn't. It was, oh, no, it... No, no, no. It was uh, the Rich Gannon unit. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, because they had, it was quote-unquote homecoming weekend. 
So they had like a whole wow. line of players for home for like alumni. And of course, I started thinking CBS game. Why is Phil not here? And then I realized that the Bengals and Patriots were playing each other. Oh yeah, yeah. I think they were doing that game. There, there was a lot of guys that you know you would normally see at a giant event that you didn't see there. Like Amani Toomer wasn't there. You didn't, you didn't hear. You know, Carson Banks. You know, were always there, but they weren't on the field with them. But the, the thing with. The thing with the Giants is the Giants do something every single, almost every single week. So, <laughs> when is it okay enough? We we get it, kind of thing. As much as we appreciate it and love the history thing of it. So, it so, how, what anniversary is it this year, Steve? It's the thirtieth anniversary of the uh, first Super Bowl. Ninety. Exactly. Eighty-six. So they're gonna do that. They already did that week one. They're they gonna. did that week one. They got They're the uh, Coughlin. Who knows who's going to be there for Coughlin and Tuck and Ernie. That would be a good crowd. That should be a good people. Good amount of people, I think. Vin's definitely definitely Tiki Barber is definitely not going to be there. But <laughs> he Do was you think most... Pierce will show up? Who? Antonio Pierce. Antonio yeah. Pierce doesn't show up for anything. Really? Does he? I don't even see him on ESPN anymore. Is he he's, alive? He's alive. I saw him on ESPN actually the other day. Oh, okay. You're, you're really at work. Yeah. He's more of like a during the day, during the week guy at this point. Like, yeah. Pretty much. Okay. I mean, know, I'd like to see him more. I'm getting sick of Teddy Bruschi and whatever. Yeah, you know, about you know, Dan sent me something today on Instagram with Jeremy Shockey, and the first thing that went to my head was, "Oh my God, the guy's still alive." Yeah, he he's loves Instagram. <laughs> I didn't even know he was still alive. Yeah, how about still like in a beef with the Giants? So they still made each other. I don't think he's coming back anytime soon to New York. No, but he right. That's he what I'm saying. I I don't see him showing up for the ten the ten year anniversary of that Super Bowl. <laughs> no, probably not. Or well, he wasn't whatever anniversary they bring him in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He was technically part of the team, and he wasn't allowed on the field. That's why the beef happened. Oh, Here, right. That's why it happened. Here's a fun oh. fact. Here's a fun fact for both of you. The last giant home game I missed was the game he broke his leg. And Melissa was at that game, and I – yes. And you were at my house, and no, I, was I was very – No, You were home. Good, though. That was a smart decision. It was a Sunday night game. It was the windiest game ever. Yes, that's right. And I had well, a... sorry, let me rephrase that. The windiest game we've ever actually watched. Because if you watch that, I think it was the 86 championship game against the Redskins. Or maybe the 90. There was it a was big 86. windy game. Yeah, it was 86 championship game. Yeah, so that was, the, that was the windiest game you and I have ever watched. I think it was Sunday Night Football. Eli threw the most interceptions yes. ever in a yes. game, I think. Yes, that was not fun. And I had people over that night. I could have sworn you were there probably. You're probably right because you, you and me remember things, but yes, uh, that that was not a fun night. That was a typical Sunday night football giant game that we decide not to show up from, and we lose to a low caliber team. You know, what geez, I, you know, by the thinking way, about that, you know what I just realized. So we, we didn't show up for that game against Washington, and then the second Super Bowl run, we have the the blocked field goal by JPP in Dallas. Mm-hmm. The following week, we don't show up against Washington again. We never show up, but at least once against Washington. And that, it's always at home. That was the game that Eli had 
Knicks wide open down the middle of the field early in the game, and he just mm-hmm. dropped it. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, we beat the the Jets and the Cowboys. The following two weeks. All right, I right. sorry, Steve. I just got the alert. I know you and me knew about it hours ago, but I finally got the ESPN alert about Josh Brown admitting to domestic violence in a oh, letter yeah. and emails and journals, uh, according to a police documents. What do you guys think about that? Is it legal if he says it when he's in London? Maybe he left already. That that's wild. Like, you, that that now 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 that sticky situation we all look the Giants look very bad, and you know you can't he, cut, uh, you can't cut him the day before you leave for London. What are you going to have a guy show up at four a.m.? That's that's sticky, man. That's that's terrible. I, I say that week one they should have cut him. I, I I agree with you on that. You know it was. It was okay if we heard that it just happened one time, he was arrested for it, and it was over with. That's one thing. But then when the rest of the story started coming out, then you start thinking to yourself, okay, why is this guy still on this team? This organization doesn't stick for shit like this. Excuse my language, but... It's true. You're right. We're a classy organization. We don't stand for this stuff. Quote, then- unquote. But then again, we're also very much like the Roonies who have stuck through Ben Roethlisberger doing just about everything. Yes, and we did have LT. That is true. I don't know. I I guess that's going to become a, all right, we got to see what happens the rest of this week type of thing and let him play in London and then go from there because what are you going to do at this point if you're leaving in the morning? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, with that being said, we're going to transition a little bit to the other New York team because uh, as bad as they are, it broke some headlines today with the announcement that Geno Smith is back in the rotation and will be starting this week. I believe it's at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Like we mentioned, the Giants played the Ravens last week and their defense isn't that. This isn't. The Baltimore defense we all know and grew up with and watched with Ray Lewis and Suggs just dominating every game and all those other all the great cornerbacks and Ed Reed playing center field. They're not that team anymore. So if Gino's gonna show that he's worth anything, it's gonna be this game. Especially with they when they play Cleveland the following week, it gives him two chances to show the Jets organization, all right, stick with me for the rest of the year. Let's see what how this goes. What do you guys think? Finn, go go for this one. Um, you know, uh, it's, not a, it's not a move I would have made. At this point in the season, we talked about it all preseason and, and all offseason. I've had tough this Jets schedule with it. I mean, they're playing pretty much all playoff teams the first six weeks of the year, and then a Baltimore team they seem to never be able to beat. Well, you know, you said it's different guys around now. It to see the colors are still the same. It still seems like there's an issue playing against the Ravens. That being said, I would have stuck with Fitzpatrick just because at this point the season's over. And if Gino was gonna have a shot, we all heard all last year, right? He's looking great in camps. The leadership is there, and all this. And then what happens? He gets punched in the face, broke his jaw. And you, you never see him again. When you eventually do see him again, he played that Raider game, and he looked like shit. 
Again, pardon my language. But I would have stuck with Fitzpatrick. There's no point in going to Geno. If Petty's not ready, stick with Fitzpatrick for another two games and then give Petty a shot. It's, Gino is here just because he gets paid a good amount of money, in my opinion. Well, here's the thing. Personal opinion is neither of them technically have a contract next season. So they're both out. Unless one of them yeah. stepped up. So Fitzpatrick's out. Let's just face the facts. Fitzpatrick's no longer a Jack. Gino's playing for his NFL career at this point. The problem is, is that let's say they finish with the with a tenth overall pick because of other crappy teams in the league. And they don't get one of those top three quarterbacks. Now you're stuck with Bryce Petty and you're stuck with Eidenberg who have never played a down basically. The only other option you may have is Minnesota may look to try and get some more draft picks back for for Sam Bradford if he continues to stay hot because of the fact that they're expecting Teddy to be back next year. The only reason why they brought Bradford in and he was the, the guy that they had to get was because Bradford actually has next season on his contract. So, you know, if it comes down to closer to the draft and Teddy's not where they think he should be, they have that security blanket. So, you know, there's going to be options out there. There always are options out there. But as right this moment, you're going into next season with Petty and Hattenberg, so why are they not getting more reps? Dan? I think yeah. I, it's, uh, it's, it's a whole – they would have – if they showed it in preseason when they had an X amount of snaps, I think they would have had that, okay, we see him playing. Okay, great. If we, God forbid, need him to play when we need to, we will play him. But to be honest with you, did they both, any of them, earn that spot of, oh, okay, yes, let's play them over Fitzpatrick if when Fitzpatrick does sign? No, absolutely not. Um, I know Bryce Petty played a different style of offense. That's been the number one excuse going around Jetland. That's why he's not good yet. Um, Hackenberg, I know Steve Pinstead, other than his freshman year in Penn State, has been lackluster, and he doesn't, he's not mobile, so he's whatever. Um, it's, it's just the Jets being Jets. They have four, when you, what's the old saying, Steve and Vin? If you have four quarterbacks, you have none. Well, it's usually two quarterbacks, and you have none. In this case, four. So, it's just... The Jets need to figure it out. I don't. I, I can't tell you what the Jets are doing because they don't know what they're doing. Uh, if I had a choice, like I, I think I would have to agree with Vin. I would have gave. I would have gave Fitzpatrick at least one more week. Granted, at home it's going to be a bloodbath of if the first pick, the first throw he makes, and it's an incomplete or a pick, the crowd's going to go nuts. But then again. Granted, Gino, his rookie year went 8-8, eight and, eight, and his second year was very lackluster and sucked. Um, he's another pariah in Jetland. So, is it any better if Gino Smith, his first throw, let's say, I'm not saying it's going to happen, it could happen, first throw of Gino Smith's day, pick six, what happens next? What are you going to do? You're going to have to have, suck, you're going to have to suck it up and have Gino play for, play th- out through his crappiness. Because you know you can't play Fitzpatrick right away because that defeats the whole purpose of playing Geno Smith. 
and then you start a whole another war, and then Bulls has to talk about oh which quarterback's going to be playing, and it starts a whole more bigger drama situation. So the Jets are in a big drama-filled situation, being one in five. So good luck to that. Vin, my question to you is: Is Bulls the head coach of this team much longer? You know, I think so, and. Part of it is, if you want to be taken seriously as an organization, you can't just keep changing coaches. If you change a coach every three, I think it was it was uh, Jacksonville, a couple uh, two three years ago, maybe it was Gus Bradley. I don't remember. Had him, he was one year they went like five and eleven or something, and then they fired. You can't keep changing coaches every two three years. You have to have some some stability. You look at the Giants. You look at the Steelers. You look at the Packers, you look at the Patriots, every team is successful. They've only had two to three head coaches over the past 20 years. If you think Bowles is your guy, you stick with him. Now, if you don't think he's your guy, then I don't know why you hired him in the first place. Personally, I think he's been, he's been an okay head coach. He's had some clock management issues, but everybody has those. And you know, the team hasn't looked great, but I can't put it all on the head coach. Mo Wilkerson's been pretty uh, invisible lately. It looks like Leonard Williams is the only person playing on the entire team. Mm-hmm. And you lost Decker, who's your your possession receiver. Marshall's still doing this thing. Marshall, for the most part, is the only one uh, on the offense who can get anything done. You, need, you do need a quarterback, though. And I don't know what they were doing in the preseason. They didn't play. I know Petty was hurt. They didn't play Hackenberg. He just sat there. You, you're wasting a second round pick on the guy, and you're not even giving him a snap in the in the preseason. It yeah, makes no sense to me. He did not get a snap until the Giant game, so week three. You know, it doesn't you know, make any sense. It doesn't make sense. And you know what? Vin and I were at the the Mets Giants game in April during the second round of the draft. And after I was done laughing at. The fact that the Bucks took a kicker in the second round, because <laughs> I mean, by the way, speaking of That's that, gone great. Off ta- topic a little bit. That 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 game-winning kick he had in Carolina. Have you ever seen a more pressured kick in week three or four of the season? The guy was no. like three oh, for six on the season. That guy's job was on the line on that kick. If he misses that kick, he's gone. <laughs> so, but. Then once I finished laughing at that, because not only did they draft him in the second round, they traded up to draft the kicker in the second round. The Jets drafted Hattenberg. What What are you basing him on? His high school degree? In high school, he was the number one quarterback recruit. Fine. All right. What have you done for me lately? What have you done lately? I know what they say. He had his freshman year. He had a big year because um, Bill O'Brien was there, and everything changed after that on him. But you know what? The good quarterbacks. If the system changes, they don't change. They still are a good quarterback. So what happened between Bill O'Brien and that other coach? Did he not learn it? Could he not produce? Who knows what happened? Then and he had three years to learn the system. No, I, I think it's the, it was a different, completely style. It was a pro style into a spread. And obviously, if you ever see Christian Hackenberg, he's far from a spread quarterback. So it's just one of those... And they had to stick with Hackenberg. There was obviously he was a, the best guy because of the whole scholarship situation. 
So it was just one of those things that they had to just deal with it. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's, the Jets are the Jets are just that. Bowles was fine last year when they won ten games. Everybody was fine last year when they won ten games. They know everybody knew that they had the hardest schedule in the game. I know losing five games in a row, oh, four of the last five games, is very, very, very frustrating. Uh, but here on out, it's not smooth sailing. Obviously not, but they can win a bunch of games and they can get back into this. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. But they can make it interesting and be competitive throughout the rest of the season. They could easily done that. You know, but, they play they play two, one team the rest of the season that was a playoff team last year, and that's the Patriots, who they have to play twice. Yep. So they can go seven and nine. It's not impossible. Not at all. The it would be a, a such a jet move to make, but I honestly think there's truth to the rumor that came out. It was a couple weeks ago. I can see them, Romo. Yeah, I can see them trading for Romo. It would be the the biggest, the jettiest of the jet moves. Of course, it'd it'd be like Favre all over again. I'm shocked they haven't called Favre again. Well, he since he's made Dak throw a a pick, why would they want him? (laughs) Right, because that was his fault. I mean, it was the only mistake Dak's made all week. Well, he did fumble too, but he still won the game. Yeah, right, right. He did. He won the game handedly. We're not going to talk about that. Though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Zeke's still running on you guys. So. I was it I, really fair could, that, that a top five, a team that had a top five pick also has the best offensive line in the in the whole league. Well, they actually they made a smart move. Like, they're talking about drafting. They were going to draft Joey Bosa if he was there. The Chargers saved them from themselves because it. What else do you do if you have the best offensive line? You get a, a, a even a pretty good running back. You're going to dominate. You Let know, alone, you know, a top notch skill running back. Dan knows how much I don't like the Chargers. And last week, Dan, I'm sitting at Miller's texting Vin while he's closing at work, and I'm watching the Islander Ranger game. But I'm also keeping an eye on the the Charger Bronco game. And I go, I really like the way Bosa plays the game. He's like really fast, and he's got some nice moves. And he, <laughs> I got yelled at. He can't like somebody on the charges. All he does is rip Philip Rivers for not being a, a, a you know, a, a, a franchise quarterback. <laughs> He's going on Joe Bonds. Joe Bonds. All right, man. So let's see: Giants, Rams, Jets, Ravens, Packers are playing Thursday night. They get. The oh, work. that's gonna be a freaking disaster. This is gonna be the first time that the road team actually may win. Yeah. Usually the road team has the hardest part going in, but this time is the first time you got to... You know, the spread on that game is like 7.5 for the Packers. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, We have literally no healthy human beings. The backup running back is Ty Montgomery. You traded for Kylie Davis. You got Niall Davis. Niall Davis is going to be in here for three days and be the starting running back. I, I, I don't... If you can't stop somebody when they basically can't run the ball up that night, they don't know what the Bears can do in life. It, yeah, and it, that's the one thing about the Packers, man. They they should have blown out the Giants. They didn't. They got blown out by the cow. They got blown out by the Cowboys. It's. Uh, I think this is going to be the kind of week that they'll score thirty points in the first quarter, and everybody's up. They're back. Right. Then are you? Are, same- you are you worried based on the way? You're not 
beating up on teams like you should? You know, last week got me worried a little bit, I'm going to be honest. Going through it, it took, it's, I knew it was going to take some time to get Jordy back to where he's supposed to be and get things rolling. And the first two weeks, they didn't look great. But then week three, they come out in a line game and they throw 28 points in the first quarter right away. And I'm like, all right, here we go. But then they had their bye week, and it, it's taken a while to get going again. I'm hoping that, well, you know, it's a division rival, so you already know. The, the game planning is mostly done. You already know, you know, what they're going to do. On a short week where I, I'm hoping just relying on instinct and and just pure, you know, ability, simplify things a little bit, I'm hoping they can get back to what they're supposed to be doing. It's not like he doesn't have time. Every game, you guys, obviously, you watch the Giant game, he had three hours to throw the ball. The same thing happened in the Cowboy game. He had forever to throw the ball. Guys just weren't getting open. And when they were open, he was just making awful throws. He had Cobb wide open twice, missed. I, it's a slump. I mean, I've never seen him go in a slump before, but it's a slump. And, you know, you've seen it. Quarterbacks go through things. Everybody said Brady was done, you know, three years ago. And, and now he's the NFL MVP. And Eli, you've seen, I mean, Eli has his bad games, but Eli's a franchise quarterback. I think it's just a slump. And I'm not, I'm a little worried because obviously he doesn't look like himself, but Rodgers will get it back. I'm not. I'm not worried in the big picture. I'm worried in the short term. Dan, what'd you think of? Uh, ben mentioned Tom Brady. What'd you think of them doing the uh, the video and you know? Oh, it had to be done. <laughs> it had to be done. I didn't realize he's basically Carmelo Anthony returning to New York. Oh no, it, it had to be done. Everybody knows the whole sham of the Deflate Gate and everything like that. So it had to be done. You know what I love when people say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it, and like people like that, it makes them. That makes me laugh every time. Start it over. What do you love? I love when they make those those I'm coming home videos for for crappy people, like when Jared Jeffries came back to the Knicks and like people like that. It just that always makes me laugh. Oh no, that was a funny. That was a comedic thing. Right. So, with that being said, it is uh, what? What the hell? One fifty-six. No, what week season is it? Six. Oh, it's six. Yes. Oh wow, hundred fifty-six. We're literally going on pace with the NFL record, NFL season at this point. (laughs) That makes life a lot easier. With that being said, let's go listen to more Division One Point One after this quick break from Fedball. If you are heading to the ballpark to watch any of the MLB playoffs, you are going to want to download Fanvolt, the newest iPhone app made for sports. With Fanvolt, you can check in, connect with mutual friends at games, organize and search for tailgate, track the game stats, upload photos, and preserve what should be lasting memory. As the people of Fanvolt say, whether your team wins or loses, stay at the ballpark is a happy memory. That's Fanvolt, one word. Download Fanvolt today on your iOS device, but more importantly, enjoy the game. Welcome back to episode 156 of the SND Podcast Show. Once again, that was With a Vengeance by Division 1.1, this week's Song of the Week. 
Um, so let's go into baseball, who, first and foremost, Dan and I, uh, we actually picked the Indians to win. Vin, on the Woo! other hand, took the, uh, took the Blue Jays. I mean, I can't blame him. Um, but before I get into that, also congratulations to our good friend of the show, Ben Van Dyne, uh, who's a big Indians fan. Never really got the story behind that. One day I will. And... If they win the World Series, we'll bring Ben on to talk about it, and he can give everybody the story. So I think he said because he liked the movie Major League. I think I asked him that once. I think that I think that sounds right. So, with that being said, um, this is the second year in a row where the Toronto Blue Jays had a huge American League Division Series, and then struggled in the in the Championship Series. And it seems like the Cubs are kind of doing the same thing, where they are. Uh, having a big first round in the ALCS, ALDS, I apologize, and then in the second round in the ALCS, um, in the NLCS, I apologize again, um, they're just struggling. And this was something that I was on episode uh, 140 of the Rising Apple podcast, which you can find on the SND podcast channel. And we discussed this a little bit. And uh, I want to get your guys' point of view. And Vin, I'm going to start with you. What what do you think is the the issue? I mean, like they usually both teams have had this huge momentum push. Uh, Schwarber's home run last year, the big inning for the Cubs this year. You know, Joey Bats's bat flip last year in Game Five, the huge uh, extra inning win to sweep out the. I believe it was a sweep of the Texas Rangers, or to to take uh, three out of four against the Texas Rangers. Uh, what do you think it is with uh, the Blue Jays and the Cubs and the struggles after these huge momentum swings that they should be receiving? I mean, part of it is definitely, they always say momentum is only as good as your next day starting pitcher. It's also only as good as their next day starting pitcher, or in the or in the Indians' case, bullpen. They've just been shut down by, by good pitching staffs. I mean, Kershaw threw a gem. Um, I think Rich Hill pitched game one, even though the... The um, Dodgers lost. He didn't pitch bad, and I don't know who pitched it. Rich Hill pitched game four. No, you know who pitched game one? Um, the uh, the kid oh, brought the, over from the, Japan. My Maeda pitched game one. You're right. We're right. Rich and Hill I think uh, Rich, he's pitching tonight. Rich Hill, I think. No, Rich Hill pitched yesterday. Yeah, Hill pitched yesterday. So, the twenty. Okay, so game today. He, he pitched game three. Watching the end of yesterday's game, it looked eerily similar to what the Mets did to the Cubs. Now, the Cubs, every every two seconds I see a, an article from somebody on Twitter about how the Cubs are the best defensive baseball team in the history of the league. Like, and they're you know, all these you know phenomenal defensive players. They were, yes, you, if you watch the, the, I think it was the eighth inning, they scored two runs purely by stealing bases and then... Um, being aggressive at third base, Javi Baez couldn't handle a ground ball, and they scored just their sixth run of the game. It's exactly what the Mets did to the Cubs. They stole bases, they were aggressive, and they scored on mistakes. The Mets scored. The Mets won Game Three on a wild pitch strikeout. We also it, had Daniel Murphy. We did also have Daniel Murphy, but they scored the, the winning run on a, a Michael Conforto strikeout. That's right. I forgot all about that. I, it's one of the least, one of the less memorable moments of the playoff run, but to me, it always stands out. It, it's all about the other team starting pitching. For all we know, the Cubs could go off. The Cubs are the kind of team they, they can are go off clearly the best team in the league to me. Cons. 
Oh, they could score six runs the rest of the series every game and win easily. Or they could, you know, not score a run. It's, that's why it's the playoffs. To me, yeah. the other team's pitching is the biggest is the biggest uh, momentum killer. And when Andrew Miller is throwing, you know, eight shutout innings across whatever, four games, it, it's tough to, you know, striking everybody out. It's tougher for the Blue Jays and and the uh, and whoever they're you know and the Cubs to to keep the momentum momentum going if you can't score. Dan, what and, do you think? And and that's why I, I like that's why I like the Indians with their bullpen. They took a formula from the Royals the last couple of years um, by getting Andrew Miller, and they know that their bullpen's already solid as is. And him being able to pitch a couple innings at a time and him being pretty much as dominant as can be and being able to shut down everybody. Let's see what happens when if they play the Cubs or Dodgers um, in the World Series if he continues to be as hot as he was this series and the series before that. But I, I like that formula because if their pitching isn't that great that, that particular night, hopefully you go five innings, you go to your, your third best pitcher. And then you go to Andrew Miller, and then you go to their closer right there. Hopefully, you get the lead at, at some point of the of the night. So I, I do like that formula with the Indians. Um, as for the Cubs and and not hitting, I think it's just one of those those fluky things of being facing Kershaw in Game Two. Obviously, Kershaw, who granted doesn't have the best uh, record in the playoff history, but it's still Clayton Kershaw, and he is pretty much rested because he was out for most of the season. So you're getting Clayton Kershaw in, like, August, June Clayton Kershaw. You're not getting him in October Kershaw when he pitched 300 innings and he's practically dead. So a lot of people forget to put that in factor factor as well. So it's just one of those things. And then home cooking with the Dodgers in Game 3. So it's just one of those those things you're gonna you're gonna have to take everything with a grain of salt because you know usually game three or game four for that other team at the home field advantage you you're, their crowd is gonna be amped up and they're gonna steal a game unless it's just that type of year for that particular team you know what I mean you, you know what I find the most intriguing at this point now that the Blue Jays are out is that no matter what. Whoever plays in the World Series, Indians versus whoever, we're going to see somebody win. Actually, you know, I know 88, Dan, you were you were born in 87, and I was born in 88, and technically we were alive for that Dodger World Series, but we've never seen any of the three remaining teams actually win a World Series. Exactly. So it's, it's going to be cool to see who's going to win. Obviously, we all want to see either the Cubs or the Indians win it because that would be something crazy to see. If someone's over 50-year slump is finally over. Granted, it's over 100 years for the Cubs. So that, that's, it's, 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 it's going to be special for that one franchise. So it, it's going to be a fun World Series, whichever way it crumbles in the NL. As we speak, the Cubs are up two nothing on the top of the fourth inning. Exactly. So, so they maybe they, they, they figured out a way to score some runs. There's there's our theory. But you know the the Dodgers are also throwing out a twenty year old to start this game. You know, yeah, you know, of course. that could play a huge factor in this game and be a difference maker. You know, but it, it also helped the Dodgers because 
think about it, who's probably going to pitch tomorrow will probably be that uh, the kid from Japan. It's going tomorrow, right? I Every, think Kershaw's pitching on three days rest, actually. You know that what? Was, that actually that's makes the sense rumor. because that's the rumor. then you get him for game seven. You yeah, technically have right. him and, the, that is the And then Hill around. goes game six, probably. Which, you know, the, it makes sense. The Japanese kid got beat up game one. Right, the Japanese kid. No, he didn't get beat up. If I remember correctly, he didn't get beat up. Wasn't that the game Miguel Montero had a had a grand slam in the? Oh, end? you're right. You're right. You're right. He only gave up a couple of runs. Right, that was game. Right, he only gave up like three runs. Right, and then Miguel uh, Montero pitch a grand slam. Right, correct, correct, correct. Hey, and then you know, okay, so you're going to get Kershaw. Also, the advantage of this 20 year old pitching is, you know, if the Cubs end up winning this game, you're giving Jensen a day off. Exactly, because it's a sacrificial lamb. Oh, and that was another thing. Can we all agree that the game five between the Dodgers and the the Nats was the worst managed managed game of all time on both sides? I mentioned this right. on the Rising Apple podcast. The only thing I cared about that game was Chase Utley and Carlos Ruiz winning. Huh. <laughs> when has that ever been a thing ever in our lives? Right, because you know what? You'd rather have those two move on but not end up winning. The, now you're going to root against them the rest of the way just to make sure Bryce Harper and the rest of the Washington Nationals are nowhere near the World Series. Oh, man. It was, that, was, that was so managing. And then, Roberts I, I've never... lucked, and then Roberts got lucked out because Dusty Baker double-switched his two, one of his two great players, and what is the odds the final out was one? Where Randon was supposed to be at, so it's just oh. And then you have Kelly, you have Jansen going three innings over fifty pitches. <laughs> That's crazy as well. So it it's just it was just like what are you, what are you guys doing? And you know what the advantage again of losing that game one for them was again Jansen got a day off. You didn't really have to use anybody. You had the kid pitch well enough. You got to be able to use everybody else who didn't really get the pitch in game five. So now you have Jensen ready to go for the next day. Yeah. I don't think I've ever wanted the team to lose. I don't think I've ever wanted the team to lose more than the Nationals that game, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I agree. This, This is a question I asked to another thing I mentioned on the Rising Apple podcast that I asked them. If you're the if you're the front office of the Washington Nationals, rough couple of years, manager change, do you give this team one more year or are you at the point where hey it's time to let's move a couple guys out of here, let's bring in some fresh blood, let's see if we could try and change the culture that way, you know, let's trade a couple got trade a couple of our pitchers away for some younger guys, some fresh blood, or you know try and move Ryan Zimmerman, who may be impossible to move, but he had a solid year, he may actually not be that hard to move, you know, someone's going to want Wilson Ramos, I don't know if anybody would want Jason Ward's contract, you know, you got a couple guys who could be moved, do you look to kind of change the culture of the team, I mean, they already did that with bringing in Dusty Baker, do you give Dusty one more year with this, with this team, a couple of guys sprinkled here and there, and go from there? I say one more year, I think if Dusty Baker doesn't panic in the seventh inning, well, the situation would be completely different. Ben? That's that's yeah. what I think. What do you think? I agree. I I'd go another uh, another year. The free agent as well, and coming off a torn ACL, I that's one of their bigger bats. I don't know what that's you know, torn ACLs in football are, are, are a full year thing. So then puts him out. I don't know. 
for catching, you would think it would be at least an eight to ten month thing. So that puts him into July of next year. Oh, that's right. I forgot where I was towards ACL. So I don't, I don't know what his status is going to be. I've seen a lot of people talk that the Mets should go after him as a free agent. When is he going to be ready? You know, you're squatting for eight, nine innings a game. You can't, you know, you have to, you can't do that recovery from a torn ACL. Okay, so my other question to you guys is, Vin, I'm going to start with you on this one. You're Dusty Baker. Gives up the homer to Jack Peterson. Is Scherzer out of the game? Or do you say, you're my ace, finish this inning and let's go from there? Uh, because he had been dominating so much to that point, I would have left him in. He's your horse, and that's what he, I mean, he's a great pitcher and all, he strikes everybody out, but that's what he does. He gives up home runs. So to me, that's like having given him, him giving up a double. That's just what he does. So he, gets, he gives up a lot of home runs. I would have let him try to finish the inning, but, you know, that's just me. Dan? Uh, I'm I'm with you. Wasn't it only 90 pitches? Uh, I was actually just looking that yeah. up right now. Um, Scherzer's pitch count for that game. I think it was 90, if it was off the top of my head. Around around that ballpark where he shouldn't have been taken out. But and, we don't. Scherzer's a guy who throws on 99 pitches a game. 99 pitches. Okay, 99. I know, but like like Vin just said, he Scherzer's a guy that will throw 150 pitches. On a given night, um, but yeah, and then then he completely blows up his bullpen by using six five other guys. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those things of like if Dusty doesn't panic and Sergio gets out of that inning, God knows what happens. They could have easily probably found a way to they could have easily found a way to take care of business and win this game against the Dodgers. So, I, I, I don't know. I, they, the Dodgers got lucky that they had Kershaw telling them at two innings before that he's ready to go when they told him no. But Kershaw's like, no, I'm pitching. We're going to the next round kind of thing. If you're starting your team with any starting pitcher, is it Clayton Kershaw, Dan? Uh, yeah. After what you saw this year with him having basically out for the season back problems to what he's done so far since he's back? Yeah, yeah. I, I still think I'd take risk Kershaw. He's your age, Steve, so he's still relatively young enough. He's still in his prime. So, And people still... don't realize he's like 10 years into this league. He came up. Really? Um, he skipped triple A because at that time – the Dodgers had the Vegas team as their Chipotle team, and they said, screw it, we're going to bring him right to the majors. Let him suck here if he does. But he's dominating double-A, and triple-A is just going to ruin him. So they brought him straight to the majors because that's what you got to do with some of these guys. Yeah, definitely. It's a novel idea. That's what the Mets should have done with Harvey. All right, Vin, final thoughts? Uh, well, I asked this question uh, via in in the chat earlier. I wanted to bring it up on the show. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, go for it, buddy. Speaking of, the, I mean, it's a, we're talking about the Dodgers. The Mets beat the Dodgers in 2006. Today is the 10 year anniversary of the Andy Chavez catch, uh, Game Seven of the 2006 NLCS. So my question is to you two: 
fully healthy, both teams, who wins in a seven-game series, the 06 Mets or the 2015 Mets? Steven, I'm going to start with you. So full oh, healthy, yeah. Pedro's healthy. Pedro's basically starting this game. Pedro, El Duque, and Blavet. So, so ideally, Pedro's your starter because, you know, if he's healthy, he's probably going game seven there over Ali Perez. So ideally, you're right. thinking fully healthy team. If you're thinking of last year, you're thinking it's Harvey versus Pedro. And this is the end of basically Pedro's career versus Harvey, who's coming off a of Tommy John surgery, who wins a game. Or are we going best of seven? Or game I'm seven? going best of seven. Best of seven series. Best of seven series, you got to go with the 2015 Mets. I just think Pedro was past his prime. Glavin was past his prime. You never knew what you were getting out, out of Ali Perez. Traxel wasn't that good. And Noah, DeGrom, Harvey last year were dominant in the play, playoffs. Match was good enough to win games. You know, he was kind of like that that extra guy we just had that was good enough but not great. We used had a good bullpen. I'm I'm taking last year's 2015 team. Dan, Dan, um, I'm see. This is where I'm torn. You By didn't way, mention fully. Ha- 2015 team of five games. You didn't mention fully. Wow. Healthy to, you didn't mention fully healthy today in the group You mentioned chat. it to me, not him. So that. Oh, I didn't mention. It. Okay. You no, know, not for me. So this kind of changes it. Um, obviously, 06 Mets. Um. Our offense would have been better than last year's team. Uh, but pitching obviously wins championships. Unfortunately, we're the one team that doesn't. <laughs> but um, I think I'm going to have to, with everything that now that changes the stipulation, I'm going to have to go 15 Mets because you're going to be going throwing out Matt, last year's Matt Harvey, last year's the Grom. Uh, you're going to throw out baby Noah that's just – crazy and he's gonna throw at you if he needs to be to just get you off the plate um obviously i'm not confident in catching and the first baseman and the rest of the offense but um they'll find a way to get runs off of uh a washed up uh tom glavin a uh john main and an ollie ollie press so as long as Steve we Jackson. don't get and Steve Traxel, but Traxel was in the bullpen during the playoffs, so it's okay. But yes, um, I don't know. I do, I do hate that I have to go up against the '06 offense because that was a that was such a great pesky team. I'd take that offense over any offense the last since '86, pretty much. So, but the uh, thing with the with that. That was, you can argue that last year's Cub team was an absolute dominant offense, and look at what the Met pitching staff did to them last Yeah, year. no, you're absolutely, absolutely right, and, and that's why I'm going to go with the 15 Mets as well. Uh, when, I, when I came up with this question today, to me, in my head, it was automatic 06 Mets, because if that team, specifically that year, if Pedro and El Duque are healthy, they wipe the floor with everybody in the playoffs. It's not even close. Oh, no, it's not, it's not even close at all. But as I'm literally watching the Cubs game, that offense was very similar. The team was very similar to, very. to last year's Cubs team, pretty much. You know, if, if Pedro and everybody's healthy, the pitching staffs pretty much match up. The third starter isn't great. And and the, the offense is what dominates the team. That was, But if you go back and look at that 06 Met offense... 
it's unbelievable. Oh, it's some it's, of those it's, numbers. It's ridiculous. It's, it's I, I don't even know how they, the fact they every time I think about it they lost. I I'm still I would go with the 06 Mets in seven games to be honest because El Duque is one of the best postseason pitchers of our time. Pedro's got a lot of postseason experience. So Simon wasn't bad that season, and he pitched very well in the postseason. Oh, he was our ace in the playoffs. He was that was the best time he was a Met. Yeah, so I'm going. I would go with the 06 Mets in seven games. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're not Travis wrong. Tarno the, comes up with one guy on, and Aaron is up at the plate at the on the mound. You have confidence. Here's the other thing. Where's the part of the? Shay in City Field. Part of the um, fully healthy thing in my head, which I think puts them over the top, even though it messes up some other things that are on the team. Oh, Dwayne Sanchez is still in the bullpen. Okay, and, and Xavier Nady is still in right field. Right. And Cliff, and, so, and, oh, the timeout. Time. Here's your stipulation then. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wiggle your stipulation then. Cliff Floyd. That means Cliff Floyd is healthy, and that means Angie Chavez does not make that catch. I see. This is true, but I still think that team had a better bullpen. Well, at least well, a better middle relief than the last year's. Because Clipper pitched like crap in the playoffs. But that's and not fair. That see, that's not that's, that's see, that's not fair. That's Terry's fault. Yeah, but Tyler Clippard was falling apart at the end of the season anyway. They overused him, I agree. But he was still falling apart at the end of the season. Well, he used them every single day, so what else do you want? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm still I'm going with the 06 Mets and 7. I'm, but basically, the question is the September 15 Mets against the July 06 Mets is really what the question is. Right. Dwayne Sanchez is in Florida getting in a cab right now. Right, exactly. All right, so with that being said, Dan, got any final thoughts? No. Uh, hopefully the Giants uh, don't get jet lag and uh, take care of business on Sunday. Listen, one of the worst London games of all time will always be that first ever giant dolphin game. Eli Manning's last rushing touchdown since the uh, Redskins a couple years ago. <laughs> that, that hideous-looking... I'll never forget the America's game of Strahan saying I had four cups of water in between him calling yes. a hike and throwing a touchdown. And the Dolphins were defeated at the team. that They didn't have a win yet that season. Right. So, with that being said, you know, the Rams have been struggling. So, we're a team and we're, we're – this is the – we could beat the Rams. If we protect Eli, we give Eli time, we're going to be fine. Yep. So, with that being said, boys – it was a wonderful episode 156. Let's do it again next week for 157. Sounds good. And hopefully we got a giant victory. And uh, Finn, don't embarrass yourself on Thursday Night Football, right? Yes. Please. To Thursday Night. Be a road team. You know what? That's been another issue with the, these NFL ratings. That these, these primetime games have been crap. Hopefully it's a good game. Yeah. Well, hopefully not for your sake. Yeah, I'll take a blowout. Anyway. <laughs> you'll, you'll take bedtime at halftime because you're up 45 nothing. Oh, please. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya.